This episode is brought to you by Womanizer, one of my staples in the bedroom. Now, if you know, you know. The Womanizer delivers the most reliable orgasms for those with the clitoris. And you should enjoy stimulation in that area. We know many women and vulva owners have trouble orgasming and often it's because this area is neglected. The Womanizer is designed to mimic the sucking and slurping of oral sex without ever touching your clitoris. It's like magic, although it's called air pleasure technology, which delivers tiny pulses of air over the clit. Now, what I really love about the Womanizer, aside from the regular orgasms, is that the heads which fit on the toy are designed to fit over your clit. They come in a variety of different sizes, just like our bodies. So you can fit the toy to your body, which I'd love to see more of in this industry. Go check them out at womanizer.com. This week on Future of Sex. I bought a vibrator, all right? What? A vibrator. I bought... A vibrator, a huge vibrator, and I'm going to use it to masturbate. I'm going to masturbate with my new huge vibrator. So I would appreciate a little quiet, if that's all right with you guys. There was some false notion going around that if I was in a relationship, I shouldn't need to pleasure myself. I got more comfortable in who I am as a human being, and it made me really love my body and really take ownership of the pleasure that I feel like I deserve. Hey, I'm Bryony and welcome to Future of Sex, the podcast that explores the evolving worlds of sex and tech, supported by Womanizer. In this episode, we're exploring self-objectification and masturbation. How are the two connected? Well, this episode really speaks to vulva owners and that's because I talk about my own experience and evolution and the unworthiness I've experienced that penis owners really don't experience in the same way. So if you're feeling interested in my experiences and speaking to the path of self-objectification and how masturbation can help you with putting yourself back together, let's carry on. I've also got some really special guests with me today, ex-bikini model and self-love advocate Mary Joukowsky and sex writer and grad student Tatiana King. Taddy is going to be providing some excellent tips to up your masturbation game. So if you're going to do one thing after you listen to this episode, I really hope it's giving yourself some pleasure after learning some new masturbation tricks. But before we get started... I just want to remind you this podcast contains explicit language and adult themes. In this episode in particular, we'll be talking about eating disorders. So make sure you've got headphones in if there are little ones around or if any of those topics make you uncomfortable, I suggest tuning out now. So in my experience with each passing year after I was about 12 years old, subtly but surely I betrayed myself. I was told to be small, so I did. Whether that meant hunching my shoulders to hide my big boobs at school because I developed early or whether that was in the workplace, just not speaking up, be quiet, 
And I believe this is especially true of women. We're told we can get love through validation and approval of others from our external world to please others. And I just remember as a young teenager starting to see myself through the lens of everyone else. Such a strange thing, but I remember it so clearly now what that meant, you know, when I started high school, adhering to standards of beauty, allowing culture to tell me the way I was supposed to look, look a certain way. And now translated into my 30s, I think about how I idolise youth or perfectionism. And always, 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 I think this message forever is putting others before myself because I wanted to be loved couldn't make myself the centre. That was selfish or narcissistic. I wasn't allowed to say I love myself to myself. And one day in my 30s, I remember I just decided I'd had enough. I was introduced as the Barbie doll in a sales meeting. I was, must have been like 30 years old. But it was one of those moments where I decided, nope, I'm not going to be small anymore. And it really led to starting this podcast and amplifying my voice. But that's not where this story stops or what I want to talk to you about. Yes, I realised and I think I'd realised a lot earlier than that moment that we're all living in a toxic patriarchal society. And by that I don't mean men are all terrible monsters. By toxic patriarchy I simply mean that we're in a system that subjugates everyone. Women, children, animals, humans of any gender, including men. But the second part of this for me was the bigger part, and that's what I want to talk about. I know it seems weird to be <laughs> leading somehow into masturbation, right? But here's the thing. I realised the part I was playing in my own objectification or self-objectification. I was playing the part that the toxic patriarchy wanted me to play, and I was playing it so well. Like, if you think about it, each time we look in the mirror and objectify ourselves, I mean... Ugh, it's awful. If, if you could hear the way that I speak to myself when I look in the mirror, the way I notice wrinkles on my face that no one else would or different parts of me, the mean voice, it's because I've been trained with this cultural oppression. That's, it, it's been trained so well that it's now become a part of me and I am starting to wage that war against myself. It's not always other people calling me Barbie in sales meetings. It's me. I'm the co-creator in this too. And each time I do something to please someone else that makes me feel uncomfortable, well, I started to realise now and watch how I was participating in my own self-loathing, how I was curating my life for validation. And so for me, the greatest anarchy in all of this is loving myself. Yes, it's self-love. Self-love can mean visiting your interior world by yourself and for yourself. Quite seriously, closing the door, going to bed and listening to yourself and your body and saying, I come first in my life. Literally, come first. Come. And the best part about this is that it just frees other people from meeting your needs because you release everyone around you when you say, I come first. Yes, sexually, but in all other parts of your life. But really, maybe the most radical thing you can do is masturbate. The choice to masturbate is not coming out of a hunger for approval. It's not coming out of a need for validation or praise. I'm by myself. 
And we've been so brainwashed to receive our worth from the external world. But what about putting the power in your own hands? What about putting a vibrator in your own hands? (laughs) Okay, well, you might say after all of that, yeah, that's all well and good, well done, but how are you gonna change the patriarchy? And the thing is, all I can say after five years speaking about sex and doing my own awkward journey in this and still ongoing is that if you want to break free, you have to do it first for yourself. Then the permission comes for others, for the people around you, for disposing of this toxic culture, for starting movements. But you have to do it first for yourself. And that's why I was so excited to meet Mary Joukowsky, who talks openly about this time in her life when she was swallowed by eating disorders and poor self-image, because we shared the same ideas on this need to release self-objectification. Here's Mary. So much of this body image stuff I feel like is tied up with these ideals around women and objectifying mm-hmm. our bodies, even self-objectification. Can you describe, I guess, another instance of what was going on with your sex life or your relationships, mm-hmm. your love relationships at that time too? Like how did this crappy body image affect you? I'm so glad that you brought up self-objectification because I think that nobody really realizes just how omnipresent it is in our lives unless we, until we actually hear like what it means. So the way I see it, and if anybody needs a resource, um, Lindsay and Lexi Kite uh, do such incredible work on this idea of objectification and self-objectification. But the way I see it is like, we all pretty much know about the male gaze, right? Like how Mm. a lot of women are conditioned to constantly try to be like sexually attractive to men, right? And how everything is kind of seen from the male perspective. Like even if we look towards our our language, right? Like we say, oh, penetration. It's from the male perspective. We don't say envelopment, (laughs) right? Mm. Which would be from the the woman's perspective or from the feminine side, I should say. Um, And so because of that, we've also started objectifying ourselves where because we're spending so much time looking at our bodies. We're looking at, um, you know, a selfie. We're looking at a mirror. Like these are all reflections. They're not actually how our bodies are, how we feel in them. It's just constantly treating our own bodies as this object meant for other people's pleasurable viewing, you know? Um, and I think the, the most ironic part of it is like when we look at ourselves, we're basically like the self-talk is like, oh, this is what someone else sees when they look at me. And we never stop to think about like, well, how do I feel in my body? Or what is this like from, from my perspective? We're always thinking about what they're potentially thinking about how we look. (laughs) Yeah. It's just this very roundabout way that's very disconnecting and doesn't let us fully experience our bodies because we're just too busy looking at them. And so, yeah, self-objectification is just basically treating yourself as this, as an object, kind of like in that word, it's kind of, it's dehumanizing if you really think about it, like Mm. constantly being there for, for the gaze of someone else. Um, And I think that was the epitome of what was going on with you know, my bikini competitions or when I was modeling, not that there's anything wrong with that, but because it was consuming my entire life, 
it was just everything. And that was just in my, in the fitness side of things. But as you mentioned, like in my sex life, because I was so hungry physically and emotionally and spiritually, the way I would try to fill that void is through sex and getting attention and especially from men and just basically, um, anywhere I could get attention, I would sleep with the person. Um, and I was young, Bryony, like I was so young. This is just so sad for me to kind of admit and look back on, but I was literally 16, 17 years old sleeping with men that were much older than I was that were clearly using me that just had no intention of being kind or respectful or protecting my heart. And I didn't know how to protect my own heart. Mm. Um, so that's, that's how I, I tried to feed myself, although it didn't work. I was just feeding myself with external validation. Um, but in doing so, I just like further and further objectified myself and further and further became disconnected with my body, which just created a lot of negative body image and just like really deep rooted shame, both sexually and just in so many ways. Like Mm. people talk about that, right? I think there's also a relationship culture and I think you can also actively be a leader in your relationship culture um, by opening that up. And the only way you open those doors is with your own vulnerability, right? Like the time when you you share something that turns you on that may be a little taboo or um, you open up about your feelings or you try something new. Like obviously these are vulnerable moments simply because they're unknown, but then we open up that door and it's going to be more like more likely than not reciprocated to you from your partner as well, because now they feel more comfortable. And I think that's another reason why it's such a liberating experience is because it goes both ways, you know? Um, and the, the relationship culture I have, you know, currently in my relationship, not just with my partner, but with like our group of friends is like, we're pretty open with each other. Um, and that, that just, first of all, it makes it more fun. Like we laugh a lot. <laughs> and then, you know, after hanging out with our friends, we, we go home and we talk about certain things that got brought up. Like our, our last, um, the last time we hung out with our group of friends, we were talking about threesomes and, um, you know, very openly talking about threesomes and all the different variations of threesomes you could have. And even though it was like all fun and games with our friend group, you know, we're still a little more reserved with it on the drive home, like my partner and I had a really hot conversation about threesomes and then really hot, dirty talk during sex, because now that like door was open because we both understood that it was a safe conversation to have with each other and that it wasn't, you know, anything that we need to hide from one another or be scared to talk about, you know? Mm. Um, so, so I think that's just really, really powerful. I'm, I'm a words person. I don't know if you've noticed that, but for me, like when I'm reading stuff or even just my imagination or dirty talk, like that's the kind of stuff that turns me on. So for me, like communication, like literally is an aphrodisiac. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. And knowing it, knowing that that is, you know, I think, yeah, we can wax lyrical about the fantastic love languages, right? But knowing mm-hmm. that communication is key and your partner knowing that, oof, it's a gateway to yeah. some really juicy, good times. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. I, I'm sure you've talked about this a lot in the podcast. There's many episodes, but for you personally, like has masturbation like created a, a better relationship culture, so to speak? For sure. 
Okay, first of all, what it did after discovering the womanizer, right? Like, I feel like I discovered that late. Like, I'd only discovered that oh, five yeah. years ago. And for me, that completely changed what was possible orgasmically. Mm-hmm. And so that for me changed, wow, like I've got this superpower that I could, you know, yeah. have orgasms so quickly. So first of all, that just changed me and my approach to mm-hmm. what was possible for sex. Um, and the womanizer is a, any sort of suction vibrator that mimics mm-hmm. oral sex, but to a point where it's just like, oh, here's an orgasm within 90 seconds. So that changed my own masturbation practice and, you know, not having a tired hand. But what's been different over the last couple of years is really being able to talk about that with a partner and, and as you say, like talking about anything to do with sex. But I think for me that was kind of one of the last corners of talking about not only, hey, masturbation's cool and great, but actually, hey, I just... I just masturbated, you know, <laughs> and putting that at front and center was and being met with, oh my gosh, Ooh. that's awesome. You yeah. know, <laughs> I think is it's the first time you say that and get a positive reinforcement. You're like, oh gosh, I can, I can, my whole body felt relieved that I could t- do that. There was some false notion going around that if I was in a relationship, I shouldn't need to pleasure myself. You know, now I'm in this partnership, I should just have that sexual pleasure with my partner, which is totally false and was preventing me from having so many great experiences with myself and carrying Mm -hmm. that into a relationship. So now it's taken a while, Mary, like even as someone that talks about sex for a living, it really took a while, which seems so strange, I think, to people for me to be able to have that open, honest dialogue when I was in a committed relationship because yeah. it felt like some weird betrayal. I don't know if that was ever a thing for you, but I was just like, ah, that's just so strange. You know, I really had to like call myself out on it and be like, okay, I'm just going to do this. And I remember when I was early 20s, I remember it, it was a lot of it was tied up in porn as well when I would be with a boyfriend and discover he was watching porn and masturbating, I was thinking, oh gosh, I'm not enough. You know, that was Mm -hmm. always the notion then. And then in my thirties, it flipped to, oh my gosh, if I'm masturbating, he's not enough, you know, Mm -hmm. and getting over those two things was major for me. And now such a great way to not only just experience pleasure, but let's be honest, go to sleep, um, handle stress. (laughs) Yeah. What are the keys to great sex? Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you asked. No, seriously, whenever anyone asks me about having better sex or great sex, you know, I always say the keys to great sex are communication and lube. It's like there are no wrong answers with lube. Now, I often get these strange looks like, but I'm naturally wet. No. Lube is the answer. You can try so many different things. It opens up new doors of possibility if you want to open up new doors. It's just really important to use lube to make sure that you have an enjoyable sexual experience. It will just enhance and elevate the whole thing for you. I remember one of my friends was describing having sex without lube is like having pasta without the sauce. I was like, damn, that's a good way to describe it. 
Masturbation with lube is also pretty amazing. You've just got to make sure of a couple of things. It's got to be pH balanced and make sure it doesn't contain any nasties like glycerin. So my friends at Frenchie, which is a new brand here in Australia, have released Ooh La La Love Lube. I love it, aside from it being lube, is that it includes Australian native botanicals, which aside from being amazing, can also assist with things that make sex sometimes not so great, whether that's inflammation, moisture retention, anything to do with antifungal properties. The botanicals in that will help with that. And I'm very excited because they have put together a special package for anyone that's listening. You get two lubes for 40 Australian dollars. How does that sound? Just put in the code future of masturbation and you get two lubes for 40 Australian dollars. That is pretty amazing. Go to getfrenchy.com and get your lubes. I hope my neighbors that are listening to me record this right now also go get their lubes because you can never have enough lube. If I make my point, okay. get some lube, getfrenchy.com. If you're feeling shame about masturbating, scared because you've never done it before, or afraid of what will happen, just know those fears are completely normal. We all have to make masturbation either a regular or a semi-regular thing to feel good about. Well, if you're really stressed out, let's say you have kids or you're in school or you're in a stressful time in this life, which we all are coming out of this pandemic, masturbation helps you relieve that stress. It's like a release of hormones, those feel good hormones that your body produces. And it helps you relieve all of that tension that build up, builds up tension inside of your body. This is Tatiana King, a sexual health and wellness blogger, a grad student at Widener University, a graduate of sex tech school, and just one of my favorite all-time people to turn to for different tips and tricks in the bedroom and with relationships. She writes a ton of great stuff, and I thought she could give us some tips on upping the masturbation game. So I'm going to give it away now to Taddy. My first tip for masturbation would be to eliminate the sex organ hierarchy because I don't want people to go into a mindset thinking that the penis and the vulva are at, are at the top of the food chain when it comes to sexual anatomy. There are many body parts that your fingers or your vibrator can explore. So aside from the penis and vulva, there are other erogenous zones you can explore like the scalp, you have your cheeks, your neck, the arms, wrists, and hands, and you have the breasts, the nipples, inner thighs. So go into it with a mindset of exploration and not necessarily with one exact goal to accomplish at the end. My next tip for masturbation would be, if you're a beginner when it comes to sex toys, pick one based on what already works for you when you masturbate. So. Almost every vibrator out there has a particular function and it can be intimidating to find the best fit. So figure out what kind of stimulation already gets you going. So for example, ask yourself if you need more clitoral stimulation. Do you prefer the feeling of suction or do you want more internal stimulation? And what kind of rhythms and motions do you need? Do you prefer like a rubbing sensation 
or do you prefer more of a pounding sensation? Or do you need a combination of two or more things, which a lot of people do need? My third tip would be to try dry humping. Now, I know there are going to be people listening to this and they're going to think, well, I haven't really considered dry humping since elementary or middle school. But for people who have a sensitive clitoris, it can be a great way to stimulate the clitoris and give them the sensation that they're looking for without the intensity of direct clitoral stimulation. My fourth tip would be to experiment with edging and see if tweaking the urgency of an orgasm can give you a bigger climax. So for those of you who don't know what edging is, it's the act of delaying your orgasm a few times and just teasing yourself until you're ready to climax. So when you're masturbating, you can try to stop just before you get to your peak and then wait. Now, when you're waiting, you could continue to look at porn if that's what you're doing, or you can think of something that's not really that sexy just to get your body to calm down a bit, but just wait a few minutes and then resume using your vibrator, or you could switch to using your hands or just go along as you naturally were and then stop again before finally allowing yourself to orgasm on the third attempt. And that's going to help you tease your body and also add an element of surprise to it. Because sometimes when you masturbate, you may get into a routine, but then at that point, you're kind of exploring yourself and thinking, ooh, when am I going to finally let myself go to its highest peak? When am I finally going to climax? And it adds that surprise to it. And my last tip, and probably my most important one, in my opinion, is to pay attention to how your body responds to the way you're pleasing yourself, because it not only helps you study your own body, but it equally makes it easier to explain to another person how to pleasure you. Because sometimes as a blogger, I do a lot of talking to other people about their sexual practices, and I do a lot of observation on trends. And what I hear a lot from other people is that they have an idea of how they want their pleasure to be received when they're masturbating, but with another person, then they kind of get in their head a little bit and they don't really know how to explain it. So part of what I suggest for other people is to literally study how your body reacts to certain touch, certain rhythms and motions. And you can even set up a diary beside your bed and literally write about your experience after you're done masturbating or just take a mental note as you're doing it. But it really helps to study yourself because you have to, to some degree, know yourself in order to experience pleasure with other people as well. So those are my top five masturbation tips. Okay, so to recap Taddy's top masturbation tips, first of all, Eliminate the sex organ hierarchy. Look at what else is on your body that you might enjoy touching other than your genitals. Secondly, find the right sex toy. If you've got one that works for you, great. If you're still looking for one or you haven't got one yet, you can listen to our previous episode, How to Choose a Sex Toy. We'll give you some direction. Thirdly, dry humping. This can be a great way to stimulate the clitoris if you're sensitive and it gives you an interesting sensation, maybe one you remember from childhood. A lot of people started there with masturbation. 
Fourth is edging. So removing that urgency to orgasm and taking time when you masturbate, feel yourself, explore your body and build up that tension for a bigger climax. And it's not always about climax, right? You don't always have to orgasm. So final tip, listen to your body, study how it reacts to certain touch, become your own scientist, explorer, take notes or write about your experience and keep learning about how you experience pleasure. Keep on learning, guys. It's all a learning experience and you know once you jump into the bed with someone else or multiple partners that's going to help you communicate what you enjoy when it comes to partnered sex i really hope you've enjoyed this episode thanks for letting me share as well a bit of my own experience and for listening to our guests mary and tatiana if you're interested in joining the conversation you can head to our instagram at future of sex where our community is engaged and learning together always this podcast was produced by david lamb and myself and edited and sound designed by chad michael snavely at sound on sound off you can visit chad and his team at sound on soundoff.com thanks for listening and we'll see you again soon <laughs>